I want to introduce to you guys, I want to introduce some of you are new, some of you are new, and you're not familiar with uh, Dr. David Nelms. He's the founder and president of TTI. TTI is the Timothy Initiative. Uh, it is a church planning organization that is in presently now in 41 countries. 41 countries. Let's give God praise right there. As you know, this is our final day of Missions Emphasis Month, but I want you to do this. Help me give Dr. Nelms a good old-fashioned Temple Baptist welcome. Will you help me do that? All right. Thank you. You may be seated. Oh, it's so good to be back. Every time I come here, I, I feel like, man, I got to just move here. I just got to just gotta go home, tell my wife, we're moving to Alabama, whether you want to or not. I just love this place. What you guys just saw, you just saw more people get baptized than the average church will see baptized in 10 years. It's just, can we just thank God one more time? It's incredible. For those of you who are uh, new to Temple, we, TTI, we're one of your missionaries. We make disciples who make disciples. Some of those in turn plant churches and some of those churches plant other churches. We mainly do it among your Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, and animist parts of the world, among what's called unreached people groups. And God has seen fit to smile. I praise Him for this. God has seen fit to smile on what we are doing. Paul said, I planted a polished water. God gave the increase. God doesn't give it. It doesn't come. And if it does come without God giving it, I don't want it. Okay? And so, to God be the glory... But he has seen fit to smile on what we're doing. The harvest is great. We've seen this year a church planted literally every 13 minutes. Okay? So while we're having this service, another, what is that, another five churches, five, six churches will be started somewhere, most of the places where there's never been a church. Okay? And I, I praise God for that. But, but it is happening at a great cost. These churches are being planted at an awful cost. Uh, recently, if you want to put up the picture for me, guys, recently we had, just in the last month, one of our Pauls, who is a trainer, uh, next picture, guys, one of our Pauls, a trainer, he, he uh, was out, keep going, you're almost there, keep going, whoop, back up one, there we go, you got it, thank you. One of our Pauls, who's like Pastor Malcolm, a trainer, was out working, and while he was gone, the police came to his house, arrested his wife. This is their picture. His little girl, I think she's about 10 years old, his four sons, his nephew, and his father. They were put in jail, and it's been about, I don't know, three, four weeks, and uh, the Paul has not heard from them since. And in fact, he's in hiding uh, to keep from being arrested himself. Now look at the next picture, if you would. Uh, at the same time that this was happening, there have been, I think in the last two months maybe, I think we've had somewhere close to 100 churches burnt to the ground. And this is just in two countries. I was Googling the other day the countries that are at war, that are in some kind of war, armed conflict, or terrorist in, in, insurrection. Uh, and out of the 41 countries we're in, 12 of them 12 of them fit that category. They're either in, in the middle of a war, a civil war, some kind of a 
coup, something's going on where people are just being slaughtered right and left. In the last month, we've had a Timothy beheaded. We've had another one beaten to death. And it just goes, I say all of that to say, number one, I'm going to be at, your, at the table out by the doors there. Please stop by and take a card and get on our prayer team if you're not already. We need, we need your prayers just so desperately. I, mean, I, just, I can't tell you how badly we need them. We need your prayers. But uh, I also say all of this to you because I want you to understand what's happening is, is it's, it's a great cost. We're talking about taking up an offering today. I'm talking about people giving their blood. There is a difference, amen? There is. You say, David, why do they keep doing it? Why do they keep, why do they keep serving? Why do they keep going? Why do they keep uh, sacrificing? Why do they keep dying? And I could ask you the same question this morning. Why do you continue to share your story like so many of you are? Why do you continue to give? We're, today is Faith Promise Day and, and all, a big offering. So why do we give? Why do we keep giving year after year, month after month, week after week, day after day? Why do we keep giving and going? Why do we keep serving and sacrificing? Why all the work, all the effort, all the toil, all the tears? Uh, Malcolm, I know a little bit about your schedule, what you were already doing before God connected us, and now what you're doing all over this country, time you could be with your family. Why do we do it? Well, have you ever heard of something called the Great Commandment? There's a verse in the Bible, 1 Peter 1, verse 8. If you guys can put that up for me. 1 Peter 1, verse 8. I love this verse. Can I paraphrase it? Peter said, I've never even, uh, Peter's talking to us and says, you, you, You've never even seen him, but you love him. I love this verse. I've never even seen you. I can't wait till I see him one day. I've never seen him with my eyes, but I love him more than I love anything or anyone in this whole universe. He has my love. He has my loyalty. He has my life. He has everything I am, everything I own, everything. He has it. I love him. I love him because he first loved me. Why do we do what we're doing? We do it because we love God, and then we do it, Romans 9, the next verse, because we love people. For some of us in this room today, there's deep sorrow because we have loved ones who don't know Christ, and we know they're a, literally a heartbeat from hell. We know that. By the way, I, can we just be real personal here for a second? How many of you have a relative or a friend or someone you really care about that probably doesn't know Jesus. Can I see your hand? Oh, that, that ought to break our hearts. I do too. And my heart is broken. Paul said, he said, I have great heaviness, continual sorrow. Why? Because people he knew, his, his, his own people, the Jewish people, did not know Christ. He said, my heart is broken. Why are these people willing to have their families go to prison? Why are they willing to have their houses and churches burnt to the ground? Why are they willing to have their heads uh, cut off from their shoulders? Why do they give? Why do they go? Why do we give? Why do we go? Why do we serve? Why do we sacrifice? Why do we do what we do? Because we love God and we love people. That's why. We continue to give. We continue to pray. We continue to serve. We're driven by love question comes up, is it worth it? 
Well, let me ask you a question. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? How many of you know Jesus personally? He's in, he lives in you. Say amen. amen. If you are a son or daughter of God, if so, then just imagine with me for the next few minutes. And I don't know that I'd call this a sermon, but maybe a talk. But I want you just to imagine with me for just a few minutes here. One day, you're going to breathe your last breath on this earth. Your time will come. You will wake up, Doug Ripley, back here. You're, it was close for you. By the way, it's so good to see you, buddy. You're going to take that last breath and you're going to wake up to the most beautiful, the most stunningly beautiful sight you've ever seen. She will look like a bride adorned for her husband. You will lay eyes on a place like you've never even been able to imagine. You'll find yourself standing in a city, a city with foundations whose builder and maker is God. You'll walk through the front door of that city, and by the way, it's just one huge pearl. And you'll find yourself standing on streets, streets made out of gold. You'll look over here, and there'll be a river. It's a mighty river, and yet it, it just breeds peace. And that river is clear and pure and clean. You'll notice a tree, a tree that's producing never-ending fruit, a tree with leaves that provide healing for the nations. You'll see some of your loved ones there. Oh, what a reunion that's going to be. I know my mom is there, my father is there, my older brother just died this, this, this year. My mom, I'll see her. My father, I'll see him. My brother, I'll see him. And aunts and uncles and some of your children and grandchildren, what a reunion it will be. And suddenly you'll notice none of them are old or feeble. It's almost as if everyone and everything has somehow been made brand new. And then, just imagine, it's time for you to enter the throne room. You enter that throne room and before you is a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Above you is a green emerald rainbow. There are 24 thrones all over the, the, the room. There's, uh, from, the, from the main throne, the big throne, comes, comes flashes of lightning and peals of thunder. And there are seven torches flaming around it. There are angels there. Tens of thousands of angels. Maybe millions and millions and millions of angels are there. These mighty, uh, these mighty heavenly creatures are there. Along with them are the seraphim and the cherubim. And there are the four living creatures we've read about, full of eyes, and each of them have six wings. They have but one message, and that message is, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is it is to come. And then you see him seated on his throne, high and holy and lifted up. You're surrounded literally 
by his glory, his appearance is as of a lamb, a lamb that has been slain. And yet this slain lamb has somehow risen as a lion. You quickly find yourself throwing yourself down on your face at his feet. And then you notice his feet are not just feet, they are nail-scarred feet. And suddenly you realize it. Your tears are gone. Your, your clothes are clean. They're pure. May I even say they are righteous. There's a crown. You notice there's a crown on your head. You don't even know how it got there. But there's a crown on your head. So you quickly take it off and you cast it at His feet. And as you do, you join heaven's uh, worthy, the Lamb that was slain song. And then your name is called. You come forward. You bow your knee. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord. And then in Revelation 3.21, He does the unthinkable. He does the unthinkable It says to him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my father in his throne. I don't understand this, but somehow he lifts you up and he places you next to him. As you sit there on his throne, he gives you to eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. You suddenly realize you will never be hurt by the second death. Never. You realize it dawns on you from me. There is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation. He gives you to eat of his hidden manna, which is himself. For he is the bread of life who came down from heaven. And because you have him, you will hunger no more. He makes you a pillar in his temple. He writes upon you the name of his God, his Father, the name of the city, his city, the new Jerusalem. And he writes upon you his own new name. He gives you, Revelation says, a little white stone with a brand new name on it that only you know and he knows, no one else. He's going to have an, are you hearing me? He's got a name picked out for you that only he and you will know for all eternity. You just sang a song about God loves you and you love God. He loves you so much. He's got a brand new name for you, just for you and him. He'll call you by that name and no one else will know it. And it's on a little white stone. You say, what's the white stone? In that day, the white stone was used as an invitation to a great feast of a mighty king, a wealthy king was providing a feast. and It was by invitation only. The messenger would show up at the door with that white stone, white piece of marble. Well, you've been invited now into an eternal feast, amen, a feast like there's never been. But that white stone was also known as the stone of acquittal. If you were accused for a crime and the jury found you innocent, when you were declared innocent, they would hand you that stone, that white stone. Perhaps the idea there is God places that white stone, the Lord places that white stone in your hand, which in essence says, which in essence says you are in, you, you, you're declared righteous. No more spot, no more stain. The guilt is gone. No more shame. And then he gives you the morning star, the Bible says. Again, himself, for he is the bright and morning star. 
He tells you He will never blot your name out of the book of life, but rather He confesses your name before the Father and His angels. And then listen to this. He gives you a place, a room, not a mansion over some hilltop, but a room right down His hallway in His Father's house. And He whispers in your ear your brand new name. And He is your God and you are His. And then imagine this temple. He wants to reward you. And up to this point, you've not said much. But you try to say, no, no, Lord. I am not worthy of one drop of your blood. Everything I am, everything I've done is a net negative. For all my life combined, all of it together is not worth one drop of your blood. But he quiets you down. And he says, no, I'm going to reward you. And at that point, he brings in them. He calls for them to come in. And here they come in wave after wave of redeemed ones. That through your influence, through you sharing Christ, through your giving, through your praying... Through your efforts, through your toil, through your sacrifice, through your service, here they come, wave after wave of those who have been redeemed by His blood. Those you pointed to Him, they come from everywhere, every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. For temple, your outreach It's a global outreach. Read the sign on the wall over that direction. Your your outreach is a global outreach. Your line will stretch for miles. I mean, Temple is going to stretch, I don't know, from here to north of Richmond. Amen. It's just going to stretch for, for seemingly forever. And let me just pull over here for a second. I'm not sure if you understand how God has used this church. Sometimes you can't see the trees for the forest. You guys are closing in. You're almost there. I think you'll pass it today on having given just through TTI. It doesn't count everything else you do, and there's so much more you do. But you guys have have given, you're right at just under the two million mark, which plants over 5,000 churches. There's probably not, there's probably barely 5,000 churches, I don't know, uh, the whole state of Alabama. 5,000 churches. Now, our churches are little, but I was doing the math with Dustin before the service. Those 5,000 churches that you are responsible for would fill up your worship center here. Listen to this, 40 times. Now, just picture this whole thing packed and jammed, 
40 times. That's how many new believers have come into the kingdom just in the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years. And that doesn't count everything else you're doing. And so as you're watching this great throng of Christ followers, they begin worshiping him along with you. And the worship is never ending. It's just never ending praise. And your your only prayer at that moment will be, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great redeemers, praise. Eternity has begun. But that's not even the best part. The best part is when he looks at you. And before... He can say those words, well done, good and faithful servant. You already know he is pleased. You see it in his eyes. He is pleased. I'm living for that day. Nothing ever blessed me like having my dad look at me and say, son, I'm proud of you. I'd give every penny I ever had to hear that one more time. I'm living for the day when my Lord looks at me and I know he's pleased. And when he looks at you, before he can even say the words, you will see it in his eyes that he is pleased. And at that moment, just imagine, all heaven will break loose. Glory will fill your soul. It will be worth it all. On that day, your sorrow will disappear. Your sacrifices will be forgotten. Your tears will all be wiped away and forever gone. The cost, the giving, the going, the serving, the sacrificing is not worthy to be compared to the glory that you're going to see. Look at that verse again, Romans 8 and verse, put up the next verse if you would please, Romans 8 and verse 18 again. Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now do you begin to understand this verse? Paul is saying, they can throw me in another jail. They can beat my back with whips again. They can can starve me. They can even cut my head off. But it doesn't matter. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed. Is it worth it all? It will be. With that, I close with this verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, in light of all of this, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, which if it's anything, it's the Great Commission, motivated by the Great Commandment. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I know, I know, church, sometimes the day seems long. Our trials are hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur, and despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch His bride away, all tears forever over, in God's eternal day.
Is it worth it? <laughs> it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So don't just bravely, gladly run the race till we see Christ. And until that day, if you find yourself getting discouraged, thinking is it worth it all, just stop and imagine. Imagine when you take that final breath and you wake up on the other side. And all God's people said,